Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 156th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin. I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? Dude, I am wonderful. Uh, I gotta say, tell a story if you haven't seen. I don't think I'll post it on Twitter, but I posted on Facebook and a few sites. So I was sitting there on Saturday, minding my own business like I do, watching Star Trek Next Generation. I'm, this is my first time watching it through. Pretty fun show. Um, and then uh, Jackie, my good friend Jackie Rodriguez. You know, Jack's the draw from Elite POV. My girl. You know, sends me a message. and It was from Brian Pillman's. It, it was a picture of my little one with uh, FTR and Bret Hart picture that I got done. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I looked at the top and it said Brian Pillman. Okay, now I'll tell you, this is the funny thing. I was like, dude, Brett gave my picture to Brian Pillman. That was my first thought. First thought. And I just, I was a little disappointed. And then I realized it was a picture from Brian's Instagram He's at Bret Hart's house, and my picture was hanging up at Bret Hart's house. Yeah. Dude, um, there's this small boy between 10 and 15 that, like, lived wrestling. I mean, I love wrestling now, I'm, but, you know, this, this dude, I mean, seriously, when I broke wrestling figures and I wasn't somewhere where I had my toys, I would use my hands to make wrestling matches. That's how much I love wrestling. And that guy that was 10 to 15 years old that was freaking in love with wrestling, that person inside me flipped the fuck out on Saturday. Something from my brain that I came up with that I had someone do, and I shout out to D at D Topla. 
if anybody y'all can go out and support her or you have any artwork you want to get done uh it's at d underscore topla t-a-p-l-a on twitter i i I will shout her out forever because you've heard about people you go to an artist and you tell them what you want right and so many people what comes out is not what they want right Mm -hmm. she went into my brain massaged what massaged my idea out put it on paper and then made it better and then gave it to me and it was like 50 bucks which i told her and hate me if she does charge more now because i told her i'm like you're not charging enough for this yeah she, she put it on and she puts out this masterpiece and i think it's awesome and I've done this before. I've thought something was awesome in my mind, and then I say it, or I give it to somebody, or I tell them, and it was like, and they're like, oh, it's cool. And they kind of give you the shoulder, shoulder shrug. But then I gave it to FTR, and they was like, this is fucking cool. This is fucking awesome. They love it. Dax fucking puts it at the top of his bar. It, you know, crazy how awesome this is. I'm like, life, for me, like life-affirming type shit, right? Mm-hmm. I know this might not mean to anybody else. So you give them that, and it's great. And they say, hey, I want to sign a copy and give it to Brett. So I go and give it to Brett, and I'm all excited for him to get it. And this dude no-sells me on the highest level. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, like, uh-huh. Puts it wow. I thought the shit was going in the trash. Swear to you. Thought it was going in the trash. I'm like, Dax and Cash signed it for you. I'm super excited telling them everything. I'm probably just talking. I probably said too much in a short amount of time because I wasn't trying to hold up the line. And maybe he didn't even comprehend what I said. But it was like, uh huh. <laughs> and then he just kind of grabbed it. Didn't like, didn't look at it. Just kind of grabbed it and put it in the pile. So I'm like, dude, he's just gonna take this pile and throw it away. Cool. But I didn't get let myself get down because Dax and Cash loved it. You know, I got mine signed with Brett, so it's all signed by three. It's gonna be my, you know, my signature piece as far as my wrestling collection. As a freaking loser that loves to collect wrestling stuff, but then you find out, oh, you completely read the situation wrong. He liked it, and he liked it so much he's putting it up in his house. Exactly. So it took that moment. Uh, that moment that I had in March, April, whenever the WrestleMania was, and it completely flipped it. Now it's like, oh God, I'm ever hard, and he's liked my picture. And it's kind of like that little person inside of me is going exploding. This 41 year old overgrown child is exploding. And I literally was just beaming with a smile for four hours. My heart actually beat rate started going so fast. I literally asked Jackie. How long can I let it go like this before I tell someone that I'm basically having a mini heart attack from being excited? I'm like, I'm trying to tag, type to Dax and Cash, and I'm, I guarantee you, I miss like four words or five words because I'm just blah, blah, blah. They, they, they didn't reply because it's like probably just gibberish. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. right. Because I'm just so happy. I was just so happy it happened. Oh, God. Yeah. So that was my Saturday, and that was pretty cool. And then uh, Monday or yesterday, I got the Elite Crate, uh, and I'm going 
If you have not gotten your Elite Crate and you don't want to be spoiled, which I've never understood spoiling the Elite Crate because, you know, you're still getting it. So right, I never right. understood to be like, don't spoil it. I'm like, it's a box. You're, it's a box of stuff. You're going to still get the box of stuff whether I tell you what's in the box of stuff or not. But whatever. But on this one, you got a Jericho and Hangman All Out poster. This will be the first poster I'm actually keeping. Because I was at All Out for the first world title. And hopefully, at some point, I can get them both to sign them. But I personally think this was the best box that they've done. Yeah. Because the CM Punk shirt, it's him bleeding from Revolution. I think. Oh, yeah. Probably, probably my favorite shirt now. It's probably my favorite shirt that I own. It's going to, like, I was talking about the shirt I've, shirts I've worn most. And I was like, the CM Punk. Video game shirt is probably the shirt I've won most. This will probably end up being the shirt I won most. It's CM Punk, Dog Collar, Blood. I was at the show. All great. Britt Baker shirt's amazing. That's another shirt. Okay. You get a Wardlow 8x10. I love the Jade keychain. I've actually already put it on my keys. The Malachi black pin. Then you got an Evil Uno brawler. I've already promised those two things to other people. You got the acclaimed headphones and a proud and powerful sticker and a Dark Volume 2 DVD, which, you know, I don't really use DVDs, so whatever. But, yeah, I just thought at, from top to bottom, uh, I, from top to bottom, this is the best one they had. Like, very little, for me personally, there was very little, I'm just going to give this crap away stuff. Mm-hmm. You're like, last time, I seriously, I kept the two t-shirts. I literally gave everything else away. I just kept because I I just didn't want it. So no, uh, no, it was uh, uh, so yeah, it was pretty cool. So got that. So yeah, I you know we talk about all things elite. So that's some kind of you know that's that is another elite part of the day that I didn't cover, and I also went toy hunting and found nothing. So nah, man, that's a good day. No, it's 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 really honestly. There are some very I I found that there is a guy here or some guy he is a like toy hunter shopper yeah he literally beats me to everything <laughs> and, and, and it's not it's just that that's what he does he knows when the shipment comes in and at the stores around us and he's there right when they come out I've had stuff that they just put out and they'd be like okay these are already gone. He, That's nuts. It, it, and it might be a she. I I, 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 I might be mispronouncing. <laughs> she or they. Someone, some person is going in there and they destroy me on that. So I will probably never get a chase from my area because there is someone that is on top of it. Gotcha, gotcha. But no, I. But you know what? I am good. Life is good right now. I am in the month of July. I'm just, you know... I've decided to buy, not buy any new shirts, not go to any events, be home all month. And it's the toughest. It's like to most people, this is not tough at all. And I am definitely first world problems all the way. <laughs> uh, but it was like the month I decided not to go. Oh, okay. We're going to do FTR versus the Briscoes too. Yep, exactly. And, and, and then uh, Dax is going to wrestle in a singles match the next night. And yeah, you know, you know what it, you know how it is. And, and then it's like, oh, and then Ric Flair is going to have his last match in July, and it's just like, 
So it's like, Floyd, how serious are you about this? How yeah, how exactly yes. how much can you hold back? And I'm not doing any of it. And I'm not doing any of it. Uh, my next wrestling event is all out. I've said it. I needed to stop for a little while uh, to, you know, you know, refill the war chest. So this is a period of time I can't go to things. But Jackie will be representing me and us, the FTR crew, FTR section, whatever you want to call. She will be representing us at Death Before Dishonored. Hats off to her. I have other friends to go in at Ric Flair's last show. Hats off to them. I, I, I told myself this la- last year. And I told myself this the year before. Like, honestly, the two years I've had the same conversation with me. Floyd, you can't be everywhere. You just can't. It is physically and financially impossible. I think I finally understand that now. Oh, yeah? You think so just now? No, I think, you know, like every year I've said I'm going to do less. And then I don't. (laughs) This year, I've actually said I'm going to do less. And I seem to be sticking to it. All right, solid enough. Well, well, we got a lot to get through in this episode of All Things Elite. Of course, we're on the pre- precipice of Fighter Fest weeks one and two that are about to get kicked off uh, today when you guys are hearing this. Um, before we get to everything, though, I just want to let you guys know that we are on Google and Apple Podcasts and all those podcasting platforms. Please continue to download this fine show wherever you find po- fine podcasts. Or give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review. And, of course, if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And the easiest way for you guys to support us, though, is by following us on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And, of course, we've got a big news uh, item on the calendar for AEW-related stuff. Our big news of the week is the fact that we are finally going to get the location and the on-sale date for this year's All Out. So, Floyd, do you want to give us a little bit more details on that? This is a shout-out to one specific friend of mine. I don't even know if he listens to the show. It's at the Valor Club guy. Anytime AEW or Tony Khan tweeted anything for the last month and a half, he says, where's All Out going to be and when do tickets go on to? <laughs> Every time. Every day. And it was just like, oh, my God. I mean, they're going to go on sale when they go on sale and it's going to be where it is. You know, that kind of thing. Right, exactly. And, and, I mean, they just did it at, like Forbidden Door. Was what maybe a month and a half? What it was like at so. like end of April, middle of May, and the tickets went on sale for June. It's they're they know it's gonna sell out. They don't <laughs> they know no matter when it goes on sale, it's gonna sell out, right? Right, right, and right. So they don't really care. <laughs> it's like when do we want the money, basically? So no, uh, okay. So some updates like the all elite. They had the fan fest, and they had it on the, the uh, they had it on the calendar for uh, this Schaumburg Convention Center. It has since been removed, so that has opened up speculation, speculators <sighs> that AEW it might not go in, be in Chicago. I had friends say, "Oh, it might be in Toronto," and I'm like, "Okay, okay." 
So this is for me. This is let let Floyd talk to you. And I the uncle thing, the uncle thing has been taken by Dax. So let cousin Floyd talk to you for a second. Right, right, right. Cousin Floyd that done this a few times in my life. Done yeah, a few times. All out. And I, I will take this if I'm wrong. We will start the show with me apologizing. All Out is going to be at the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates. FanFest mm-hmm. is going to be at the Schaumburg Convention Center. Uh, FanFest is going to take place on September 2nd and 3rd, 2022, with All Out taking place on Sunday, September 4th from the Now Arena. I'm telling you this because I've been saying it for what a month. How many times have I told you it's going to be in the same place? A lot of times, <laughs> a lot. So I'm just going to put your your head to rest because this is the whole thing. If they were going to completely change the city in the way they do things, they would have announced it by now. If they were mm-hmm. going to be doing their first show in Toronto. They would have announced this at Forbidden Door, and tickets would have been all on, already on sale. They don't have to do it because they know they're going to the same place, and it's going to sell the same amount of tickets. They'd rather you be buying tickets to uh, Death Before Dishonor and all the other shows leading up to All Out because they know All Out's going to sell out. They don't think it. They know it. So why... Why, why would you like stress out and really worry about putting tickets on sale when you know it's going to sell out? The arena's only 10, 11,000 seats. On average, for their pay-per-views, they have 20,000 people wanting tickets. On average. Mm-hmm. That's why they're not worried about it. It's Chicago. They know it's going to sell out. They just did Forbidden Door. They just did Forbidden Door without a, without a match announced. They sold it out without announcing a match. Do you think they're worried about selling out the Now Arena? No. No, not really. <laughs> they didn't even announce a match. <laughs> they said, we're going to have AEW, we're going to have New Japan. Yep. <laughs> and boom, sold out. Not only sold out, all-in level of uh, activity and excitement and people trying to get tickets. Four times as many people in the ticket queue than the tickets were available. Mm-hmm. Again, they waited because they can. I'm gonna yeah. be there. My flight's already booked. My hotel's already booked. I'm gonna- I thought you were. I thought you were being better, Floyd. I thought you were being better. Well, these. Hey, I as long as I can help it and I can afford it, I will never miss a AEW pay per view. I won't just won't ever i haven't i haven't that they have allowed fans in because i have to make that disclaimer because of the dark days of double or nothing the double or nothing 2020 okay 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 it's the one show one pay-per-view i've never been to i've never missed one and i never plan on it unless something you know unless something happens this is not i'm not one of those people that if someone dies i'm like i'm still going all out no, I, I will, I will, I will, I will skip it that year. <laughs> I see. Okay, okay. I will, I will. I mean, I mean, it's just if I have the time off and can, I will <clears throat> always be at the show. Okay. Well, fair enough. 
All right. Well, with that news out of the way, I think it's fair that we can now get into the results and our little review of AEW Dynamite taking place in Rochester, New York. The show opened up with the TNT Championship street fight match between champion Scorpio Sky and Wardlow. And honestly, not much of a street fight, if we're being fair right now. The whole reason as to why I feel like this was even a steel chair, a steel, I mean, a street fight to begin with is because there was a good amount of ability of having the American top team guys off to the uh, side fucking with Wardlow and throwing him into steel steps and basically just completely like Lambert basically just got all of his guys to jump on him. So that was really the only reason it was a street fight. Really wasn't a street fight if we're being honest, but you know what? It's whatevs. Um, Wardlow hit a beautiful like Swanton bomb onto Scorpio Sky. Um, got a power bomb symphony going, and the TNT Championship uh, for the second time, in fact, has changed hands in Rochester, New York, and it's now Mister Mayhem Wardlow, the new TNT champion. Uh, I will say uh, to Scorpio Sky, thank you for being the guy who took it off of Sammy Guevara. But now the TNT Championship is on somebody who can like who is white hot right now and can really elevate that title. Cause I love Scorpio, but he wasn't like, he wasn't booming at this point in time. Like if it was back in SCU time era, then maybe I think people would be for it, but you know, he's not on right now. Like to the level of Wardlow is Wardlow being champion, I think is going to elevate that championship significantly since, you know, people say that I love how Miro in his interview said like, People say I ruined that championship because of how good my run was. And you know what? In a sense, I think it was just a combination of that and people turning on Sammy so quick. Um, But regardless, Wardlow being champion is awesome. Super happy for the guy. And I can't wait to see what they do with a guy like a – basically like a babyface Miro as champion. Um, I think Miro versus Wardlow and All Out should be the match. That should be the money match. Yeah, absolutely. That should be the match you're building to. But uh, I, I've heard unsubstantiated rumors, probably some substantiated, someone knows more than me, that Scorpio was kind of nursing an injury, and that's kind of why they did the street fight. So if you notice, most of the physicality and action was you know, taken by the other people around, and then right, right. just kind of beat Scorpio with a power bomb, several power bombs, you know? Uh, yeah, I can honestly say this. I really wasn't happy with it. I I don't feel like, like it made Orlov look like a monster as much as it made Scorpio look like a scrub. I've heard. I that's mean, me. that's how I took it. That's how I envisioned it. I've heard other takes, but I honestly like so Scorpio, this man champion, best wrestler, blah blah blah, and it was the best wrestler. It's like him and ten other people couldn't even slow down Orlov. To me, that makes you look like a chump more than it makes Wardlow looks like a superhero. And then they had the action movie scene where it's one on ten and everybody takes them on one on one. I hate that in action movies and I hated it here. It's like you yeah. have ten guys. The advantage of the ten guys is that you have ten guys. So why would you then attack him one on one? I I hate it in action movies. I hate it here. So don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not holding wrestling to a different standard than I do hating in action movies. I hate it in both. So, uh, no, but Wardlow did what he was supposed to do. He's so hot right now. And there was two ways to go with this. You could try to drag it out and make Wardlow maybe get the big title win at All Out. Or, or, or 
you could just put the damn belt on Wardlow and let him be fucking awesome. They put the belt on Wardlow and let him be fucking awesome. I mean, you know, time will tell if it's the right decision. I don't see anything with Wardlow being a bad decision because he's no. so hot right now and he knows how to perform. He knows how to take his time and let the crowd build. It's great. He got a great picture the later that night with uh, uh, FTR with them all having belts. And he says, and he, uh, FTR said, when you leave the pinnacle, you're always on top. Hey, shout out. Yeah, I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty clever. They're just, they're some pretty clever guys. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Warlock. Congratulations on his on that first title win. Yeah, go to shop AEW, buy that and new Wardlow shirt and get that going. Of course, I am on restriction, so I did not buy that shirt. Yeah. Well, we'll move off of this real quick. A quick backstage segment uh, regarding Swerve Strickland uh, was being talked about by Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. They're trying to get him uh, removed from the roster and went to Keith Lee, like, sign this petition. He's like, no, he's still my partner, even though we have issues right now. He's still my partner. I'm not doing that. Um, that would play into uh, something that would happen later in the night. Um, and then the thing that nobody can stop talking about, Christian Cage comes out with Luchasaurus, and he mentions about how we're on the heels of blood and guts, I'm the cage that everyone's talking about, and people are demanding answers on why Luchasaurus decided to align with me. Matt Hardy comes out, and it's a little bit of E&C versus Hardy's uh, reunion almost. And Hardy says, like, Christian, you're ridiculous. And, like, look, Jungle Boy was my friend. He trusted you. He respected you. And you screwed him over. You stabbed him in the back. He didn't deserve that. And Christian's all like, you're going to pretend and that you're buddy-buddy with Jungle Boy when you've done nothing? He's like, you're the one that you're starting to make your brother sound like the sober one. And Matt's going like, I, I can see what you're doing. You want to make as much money as you can so you get the biggest guy you can. It's like, hey, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I did the same thing with Private Party and Butcher and the Blade, and, and I really regret that. My last month of my life has been a mess. I'm making a change. I'm out here making sure no one else gets taken advantage of. And Christian's just like, you're out here because you're a cloud chaser. You'll use your kids. You'll use your wife, your father-in-law. You'll use a dilapidated boat. You'll use whatever you need. You'll even turn a blind eye to your brother so you can have one last run. Christian talks about how he's he's so hot right now. He's the most influential star in AEW. And you just wanted to be near me. Your brother isn't the most embarrassing thing to your family anymore. It's you. And that's when Luchasaurus percent proceeds to... Uh, go after Matt Hardy, I will say. It was a little awkward on how that started. The fight kind of felt like it started awkwardly, um, but then it felt led to Matt Hardy getting thrown through steel steps and thrown to a chair. I mean, thrown through a table, in fact. And uh, Christian was like off to the side being like, hope I gave you enough clout. Um, be, be well or whatever, and just fucked off. Christian, no one can stop talking about Christian, man. This dude on his heel level of like just going after all the things that you shouldn't go after. Um, but in a way that's not as similar as like what MJF would do, where he'd be like so obnoxious, where Christian just says fucked up shit with the utmost co- conviction. Like, 
there's there's a le- element of joking like where he's fucking with you like that MJF does. Christian I like when he talks he believes every word he says. So, uh so Darby Allen was my favorite wrestler. I had to call him <laughs> my favorite wrestler after Cody left and the announcement was in February. Well, Darby, I love you, but you're going back down to two after a five-month run. My new favorite wrestler is Christian Cage. He has my loyalty forever. Uh, (laughs) Just based on these promos, I'm just like, the conviction in which he delivers the said promos. I don't know how he does them without laughing. Right. Yes, because they are so fucked up (laughs) that I would just like... I would say it, but I would have to giggle. But the conviction that this man lays out these promos and the the veer, like he believes them, and I he abs like nothing in me doesn't believe that Christian Cage absolutely hates Jungle Boy and has always hated Jungle Boy and was waiting (laughs) waiting for this time for him to realize he couldn't use them anymore for money, so he could screw him over. The only problem I had with this promo, one problem I had, right? The one thing we were promised with the promo, we didn't get. I was gonna, I wanted to find out what, I wanted to find out why uh, Luchasaurus turned on Jungle Boy. Yep, we still don't know yet. We still don't know. And listen, that's Matt Hardy's fault. That he interrupted all, at the wrong time. That is all that enabler Matt Hardy's fault. Damn. <laughs> Did I call him that or did Christian call him Chris, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't call him anything. My favorite <laughs> I'm, wrestler. I'm, don't my, shoot the messenger. My favorite wrestler called him something. But, dude, this is like two weeks in a row. Like, I'm ready to put him up for talker of the year based on those two promos. Like, there have been great promos this year, but it just felt like those two promos, like, you can go straight to Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage in a street fight, you don't even need. Yeah, to you don't need. You don't need to build. You don't need to raise the stakes more. Those yeah, promos have elevated this above a wrestling match into a fight. And yeah, I, and I think he might. Like I said, I brought this up last week. He might have successfully transitioned Jungle Boy out of his role based on these promos. Yeah, no, like we I, mentioned that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to see Tarzan Boy come out there and try to fight. I want to see Jack Perry come out and try to whoop Christian Cage's ass. That's what I want to see. Like, like people say old school Hill Heat is gone because you used to say the Christian did it so effectively. He's my favorite wrestler, and I want to see him get beat up. Exactly. And then that's how heel work is supposed to work. And Christian put on your crown. First ballot AEW Hall of Famer right now, <laughs> based on these promos. I, I mean, put on your crown that that I want to apologize for the reaction I gave at Revolution when you were announced as the like hall, future Hall of Famer generational talent. I did. I was like, ah, oh, Christian. Yeah, that was me. I was one of. Those I was people. one of the few people that I was actually genuinely hyped for Christian. I was no, so hyped no, that he I, was there. I groaned. And I apologize for that groan, sir. I I owe you a crown when I see you. I, I will apologize to your face at a meeting greet. Because, dude, just on these promos, you were worth any money Tony Khan paid you. Yeah, seriously. It's been such a blast seeing Christian just completely run roughshod with 
his mouth, his motor mouth that has no limit to it. Um, and I'm so excited for the moment where Jack Perry or Jungle Boy or whatever version comes out and eventually goes after Christian because it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. Um, we then had a backstage interview between Jake Hager and Claudio uh, Castagnoli, and Jake Hager was talking bad on uh, Claudio, being like he knows he's not as tough as me, he's never been world champion, and he won't be one here. And Claudio was like, "We just beat you at Blood and Guts. I'm currently two and zero now in AEW, where uh, your record matters. So I'm going to go three and zero against you. So we're getting a blood match between." Uh, the We The People boys, the Real Americans. Uh, Claudio's only been in AEW for less than a month, and we're already getting Hager versus Claudio, and I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Um, we then move over to the Butcher and the Blade facing Swerve in Our Glory, and uh, this was a really good match, honestly, up until there was a little bit of a point where uh, uh, where uh Keith Lee was a little late on the on the breakup, and it looked like Swerve tried to force a kick out when he probably shouldn't have uh, because Keith Lee didn't make it there in time. The Rochester crowd was uh, very much not okay with this. Um, but regardless, the match itself was still really strong. I love Swerve and Our Glory. They're great. Um, but regardless of the fact, even though Keith Lee and Swerve had moments of miscommunication where Keith Lee accidentally hit Swerve out uh, and knocked him down, and there were, uh, I think, maybe one or two other instances where they weren't on the same page. Swerve and Our Glory still got the win against Butcher and the Blade. Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, though, storm out, and they scream about how they were tired of being disrespected. Ricky saying, uh, you want to act like you're somebody when you aren't on our level. You are several levels below us. And they're talking about who the best tag team in the world is. Then the Young Bucks, the current AEW World Tag Team Champions, come out and it's like, "Hey, man! Like, if you were, you guys, great intro for us, man. You didn't have to do that." And said, "Like, great match. Tag divisions on fire. Everyone's eating well. But remember who set the damn table in the first place? Because we started this damn company." And they talked about how everyone's at this in the ring was really good. You had hell in a match at double or nothing, four and a half stars. That's an off day for the Young Bucks, and you guys couldn't get the job done. Uh, Jurassic Express beat you, and guess who beat them? And they start teasing about a match next week for the championships, and when they talk about who the best tag team in the world is, an overwhelming group of the Rochester faithful are yelling and screaming for FTR, to which Nick Jackson responds with, yeah, we're better than them too, calm down, y'all. And they then post a... uh, uh, share an idea for a three-way tag match between the Young Bucks, Butcher, I mean, uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, and Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. So, Floyd, I think I know where you're going to go with this, but I'll hand it off to you first. Well, see, usually, as the resident, my name is FTR Express, I would come in talking about, oh, my God, they skipped over FTR again. Uh-oh, we got bigger problems. We got bigger. We got bigger fish to fry. September fourth. That's what I'm worried about. That's oh yeah. Everything else is filler until September fourth. <laughs> the main course is September fourth. So, I will say this: I'm very excited for this match because I love Swerving Our Glory. I love Ricky Stark and Will Hobbs. Very worthy challengers for the Young Bucks. 
the match was great. I, I love uh, it was Butch and Blade, right? I love Butch and the Blade. Yep. I, I love their energy. They always have this threatening heel vibe. I thought it was a really good match. Of course, you know, some weirdness in the middle. It's live TV. Shit happens. The Young Bucks cutting a promo. Great. Shitty heels. Love it. Uh, today, on uh, there was the road to Savannah. Uh, the road to Savannah. Ricky Starks cut a pretty impassioned promo on there. He was really good. Swear Keith Lee did his very calm Vic Van thing that will destroy people. This match is going to blow, blow, uh, blow everything out the water. Actually, I almost think the dynamite this week is, we're going to get to this later, it's too loaded. Because I believe this match should be allowed like 30 minutes. Because you got mm-hmm. six amazing wrestlers. And just go out there. Just imagining what the Young Bucks are going to do with like Keith Lee and what Swerve's going to pull out of his bag of tricks. And, of course, Ricky Starks. And then you got Will Hobbs, who is just Will Hobbs. Honestly, probably one of the most improved and proven wrestlers from the time he started in AEW to right now. You, like... He was just kind of just generic big man at the beginning, right? He has shown like charisma. He's shown an ability to work the mic. He his his in ring ability is shown. You can look at his physique; it has improved. Everything about Will Hobbs has improved since he started, and he you know he wants this, right? So on this big stage with the Young Bucks, the best tag team in the world, this match is going to be amazing. But don't forget. Your longest, longest reigning number one contenders in AEW history. They've literally been number one contenders longer than they held the tag team titles. Quite amazing, honestly. Yes. It's like, dude, you know, longest reigning number one contenders in AEW history, September 4th. I don't care who the other team is September 4th. I would love it if it was the Young Bucks. Great. Sorry for not glory. Okay. Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs. Cool. September 4th. Hopefully Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Me in your first five rows. FTR. That's yeah, it. I think... That's where we're going. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite amazing when we get to that point. Um, and then, of course, too, let's not forget Death Before Dishonor. We're getting uh, uh, FTR versus Briscoes 2, which... Dude, dude, if you have... If you can't go, if you don't live anywhere, you live in the Lower West, choose since July 23rd. If you can't go... I understand. Get on VR Live. If you're out of the country, get on Fight TV. Order that shit. I mean, the first match was five stars. Do you think they're going to settle for five stars this time? Oh, no. I'm like, like, seriously, do you think these men, these four men that love this more than anything, are going to settle for five stars? Like the Briscoe said, they had worked four times that weekend. FTR was the third match of the four matches they worked that weekend. Have you seen a lot of uh, Ring of Honor shows? Nah, they've been on a little impact cast this recording schedule. They are going to be fresh. FTR is going to come in the best shape of their life. All of those four are about to tear this world down. They are. They're, they should main event this pay per view. Yeah, gonna, no. We're going to do a preview for it. You know, we're because uh, next week when we record it will be the twentieth, and it'll be a four day. We're going to do a complete preview of Death uh, Death Before Dishonor, but. I'm just saying, how's FTR? Who are you going to bring in with Gresham that should main event over FTR and the Briscoes? Yeah, I don't know who you're going to do. I'm just like, who, who, who do you have that should main event over 
two of the best tag teams in the world going at it for a second time after a five-star match. I really don't have anybody. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is no disrespect to Jonathan Gresham. I think he's super talented, and he is a great ROH champion. Don't get me wrong. This is no disrespect to Jay Lethal. And Samoa Joe is literally one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I mean, no disrespect for them. But to me, is it disrespectful for saying John Cena and The Rock should have went on last at WrestleMania? No. It's not disrespectful for me to say FTR and the Briscoes should go on last on ROH. No, and let's be fair here. CM Punk versus Undertaker should have went on last. At least for the second time around. The second time around. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly. I, it is like after I saw John Cena in the Rock the first time. Let's be real; I never needed to see that match again. Exactly. It was exactly. incredibly average match. It was an incredibly average match, and I was like, "Okay, the Rock won. Cool. Let's never do this again." And they promised me that it was going to be once in a lifetime, and they lied. They lied. Uh, yeah. Alright, well anyways <laughs> Up next we had an in-ring interview with Eddie Kingston uh, Who gave a congratulations to Wardlow And he also congratulated everyone on our team Who won at Blood and Guts Even Claudio Nice that He's like, see I'm a good boy I can, I'm can. i growing up, I'm maturing And he talks about how he still hadn't uh, gotten everything That he wanted from Chris Jericho He said, you made me a liar Chris I didn't taste your blood, you didn't bleed at Blood and Guts So I'm still not going to stop Chris Jericho then appears on the screen and says, like, you want to taste my blood? It's like, you want to get crazy? I'll show you how crazy I can get. And Ty Conti is there with the rest of the JAS, and they're beating up on Ruby Soho. And Ty Conti, and they grabs a car door, puts her arm through the car door, and slams it. And then they run off as uh, Ruby Soho is laying there and has got a messed up arm. And yeah, that's fucked. But um, I will say though, thank you for giving me another women's feud that's not based around a championship. I like that. I like a. I would like a Ruby Soho Ty Conti feud. I would very much like that. Um, and once again, Chris Jericho. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Going Wardlow still got problems that they are not going to stop until Kingston kills him. Um, and yeah, I thought like, you know what, this at least the thing that kept like that made me really enjoy this was at least the fact that like, OK, we have a feud, a women's feud that isn't for a championship. So like that increases the women's feuds that we have on AEW, which I appreciate because right now, like I said, you've got. You've got whoever uh, you've got Jade Cargill and Athena and and who are are often again off again f- off again on again uh, feuding. You've got Thunder Rosa when she's champion and she's feuding with Marina Shafir, um, and then you've got uh, the always popular and always consistent uh, uh, Serena Deeb and uh, Hikaru Shida. So. If this turns into a feud, which it should, I mean, Ty Conti literally fucked up Ruby's arm, and I would like to see her get some revenge on Ty, um, then that would be great. So I, that's that's the main thing I took away from this, at least. Dude, I am so looking forward to it. Uh, if I talk about Will Hobbs being one of the most improved wrestlers, you put Ty Conti in that list, too. 
You have oh, to. yeah. Because Ty Condi is what I thought she was in the WWE and what she has proven to be <laughs> in AEW. Like, no, it's nothing. I mean, she is, if you see, she's just a performer that goes at it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what her and, of course, Ruby Soho can do. I've always been a fan of Ruby Soho. I always thought she can work. So, yeah, building up this feud is great. Uh, Ruby went over to, I believe, England, Australia and worked this week. I believe. I don't know. I wasn't really sure where she was. But she wrestled a lot this week. So, you know, good. I think she wrestled Billy Starks. And that was, uh, from what I understand, or she attacked Billy Starks or whatever. But, yeah, I want to see Ruby more. I want to see her on my TV more. Same. I think there's just more room for more women's matches. I am not one of those people that are going to be like, it needs to be two women's matches or it needs to be three women's matches or whatever. I just think there's just room for more. Yeah, and I like I like consistently having multiple feuds that you can kind of go between. That's the main thing. Like I'm fine. Like I said, like I, I I'm not too upset with like you know a two hour show just having like one 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 or two women's things happening on the show. Because again, we're not dealing with a three hour show where you can have multiple women's things go on um, because you have way more time. Um, so I'm, I'm not too bad about that, but I do like having more feuds. So having more feuds, at least that you can, you can pull from, I do like, so like I said, I hope they consist, they have this consistently go for a while. Cause I think these two could do really well against each other. And then we had a dark order segment. This was a nice little Rochester, New York, uh, fun little segment. Uh, the, the the Dark Order comes out. Brody chants are ringing through the arena. John Silver says how Dark Order is in Rochester, which is Dark Order country. And Evil Uno uh, talks about how everyone, thank you for showing up and supporting us. And the we have important news. The six of us are here to stay. Dark Order is forever. A new chapter is beginning. And it's going to be with a proclamation um, who then proceeds to give the mic to negative one who and then QT Marshall comes out and decides I'm going to pick a fight with a, I'm going to pick a fight with a child and QT is hey. being like, yes, yes. You big enough to get in the ring. Oh yeah. 10 year old can get beat up too. equal opportunity. <laughs> okay, sure. And he's like, QT brings is like, okay, yes, your dad's from Rochester. He's a legend, but you take after your mother, which Okay, and he's like, you know what? I didn't bring my friends out here, negative one. And so, why don't you let your friends go away, and we'll face each other man to man. Hangman's music hits, and he runs out. Um, and then they start beating up on QT Marshall, and they kick the shit out of him. And then negative one eventually gets up top and says, "I would pin you right now, but I'm gonna wait till I'm 18." So basically. The proclamation that they were leading to was that, hey, when Negative uh, One's old enough, he's absolutely wrestling for AEW, which I don't even think you needed to make a proclamation for. I think we kind of un- assumed that I just, much. I just think they wanted to do some because it was Rochester, Dark Order Country, and Brody. No, absolutely, yeah. yeah no, but uh, so we're pretty sure QT could take Never to One. I'm pretty sure. I think the Dark Order knew, so they attacked him before he could get to him. But just know, QT can take a ten-year-old. Unless he unless he pulls his pants down on dark. I know in my heart, QT can take him. Like no, but uh, no, I th- I just thought this was a you know kind of a beautiful 
feel good moment, feel good yeah. segment. That's all it was. It was to make you feel all flowery and butterfly. Honestly, it felt like that first hour was a lot of that. You know, you got the young bucks, you got the yeah. change, you got this. This was great. Yeah, no, it was a good it was a good uh, first hour. We then moved on to uh, Penta Oscuro versus Roosh, and these two beat each other up. I mean, they had a these guys have uh, familiarity with each other. And Andrade El Idolo and his uh, group, I can't say their names. I will fuck it. Up. I can't say their team name. I will fuck it up. I am too white. Uh, but regardless, their team has been fucking with uh, Penta and the Lucha Bros for a while. Penta's mask has been pulled off multiple times. And uh, these two guys were just going at each other, smacking the shit out of each other. And um, eventually, though, uh, Andrade, even though uh, Penta hit the fear factor on Roosh, grabbed his foot, put it on the rope, stopped the count. And uh, uh, while uh, Fenix is chasing after him, also, I will say, too, I forgot to mention this, uh, got a great little beatdown between Alex Abrahantes and Jose, the assistant. Uh, seeing Alex try to go for a spear, so, so cute. It's so, it's so nice to see. Like, it's just like, oh, man. Because like I said, I said from the beginning when Alex was put with the Lucha Bros, this man has been eating every like bit of this that he has been involved with and he's enjoyed every second. So seeing him get to do a spear, love it. Thought it was so fun to see. Um, but while the, while uh, later in the match, uh, when uh, after Andrade put Rush's foot on the ropes, ref is distracted as uh, Fenix goes after uh, Andrade low blow from Rush and then mask pulled off as well. And then the roll up and then Penta gets pinned by Rush. Uh, so the uh, Roosh and Andrade get another one over the Lucha Bros, and I suspect that they're going to want revenge quite qu- quickly. Um, I thought this was a good match, and I will say, too, a guy like Roosh getting a win like this, um, even if it is like uh, you know not a clean win, regardless, I think. I think it's fair, too, to say that like some of uh, AEW's heels could do for like some TV... Uh, non non clean wins i think that could help a lot of their heels uh out i because I, I just don't remember off the top of my head a ton of times where that's happened in aew a lot of times most matches will finish clean which i appreciate i really do but i'm saying you can still have like like gimmicked finishes and stuff like that like what we had here so don't feel like you have to always have it be like a clear definitive winner all the time which I think is just a good good thing to notice. It's like don't go full Monday Night Raw, but like you can dip your toe into it a little bit at least to give some of your heels some some needed wins. And I think Roosh is the kind of guy like he's not too familiar on on AEW television right now, so giving him a win like this um, definitely helps. And it helps Andrade too. It helps his group as well. So the group is called La Faction Ingobernables. That's why I let you say it, because I would have never said it right. Well, it only comes from me watching New Japan, and they have Los Ignobles de Japón. I can say de Japón. That's yes. about it. No, but L-I- you, see, you can just call them L-I-J. So uh, you can call them L-F-I. There you go. All right, L-F-I. Yeah, Fair I, enough. You can call them L-F-I. They, I, I think they need another wrestler, whether it is Dragon Lee, who is Rush's brother, or whoever they go with. I do think that that group needs that third member to drive it home. Maybe they do somebody already on the roster. I don't know what they decide to do. 
But Arush, if, if for those who aren't familiar, he is more charisma and hard hitting. That's his style. If you couldn't tell from this match, he is not what you generally know or when people think luchador or you know luchador style he's not what you think of he is slapped punches and straightforward literally his finisher is just him running his boots into you in the middle of the corner i mean like while you're laying down oh yeah it is the most straightforward finish ever it hurts because you know he kicks you in the face in a prone position. So he is very much a straightforward guy. I think this match was a great introduction to Roosh and how he's different than Pentagon and Ray and why this, why, uh, if even if you think in kayfabe, why uh, Andrade would bring him in. They are more of the physical, we're going to beat your ass style than, uh, hey, we're going to do a lot of flying and hurricanranas. No, they're going to punch you in the face. And that's what he brings Roosh in to do. And they're going to kind of look good doing it with the white suits and stuff. Yeah, they're not just going to beat you up. They're going to be in style when they beat the crap out of you. And I, I dig it. Giving you LFI all day. This match was super physical and fun. I, I mean, am I going to put it in my match of the year? No, but it was a great introduction to what LFI is going to bring to AEW. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a fair point to make as well. Um, we got the tease for uh, Death Before Dishonor after this about Ring of Honor uh, television champion Samoa Joe agreeing to face uh, Jay Lethal. Also, gotta say, AEW.com, fix your shit, because you have Samoa Joe listed as the world champion of Ring of Honor. He's the television champion. Fix I mean, your shit. I mean, you know, they listed it as it should be. You know. Sure, like to be fair here, it would be like that would be who I would have as world champion, I think. But you know what? Jonathan Gresham, no disrespect. Yeah. Well it's it's just weird. Like it, it really does when it comes to the makeup and this can be AEW's fault, this can be Tony Khan's fault. It does really feel like the tight T V title is the main title in ROH. At and this the point in time, title yes. Is the secondary title. I mean, yes. even the match we have lined up for Rampage doesn't seem like a uh, ROH world title match. It seems like a ROH TV title match. Yeah, no, it, it's it's weird. But yeah. moving away, moving away from that, though, uh, we got a tease for Rampage, which was uh, once again Mark Sterling and Tony Nese continuing with their little like uh, thing they wanted to get signed, and uh, they just needed Orange Cassidy's signature, and then they could remove Swerve Strickland from the roster. And um, I gotta say, uh, if that's true, who the hell is signing this thing? I would like answers on who signed that. Uh, signed that um, directly from Mark. I need to know who signed that. Um, he don't want to lose to him. I guess so. But regardless, he said he wasn't going to do it with his lawyer present. Um, without his lawyer present, Danhausen comes out acting like a lawyer with his stupid little tie. Um, eventually, though, Tony Nese is just like, you know what? I just want to beat your beat the shit out of you at Rampage, and he's like, "All right, let's do it." And if you if you lose, you have to sign the con- you have to sign the the you have to sign this thing to remove Swerve Strickland. Okay, sure, you could have just said like he wants to beat you up. I don't know what the whole deal is no, about like I, trying to. I, it was one of those things that uh, you know sometimes you're throwing up the wall to get something to stick, and you try something, and it doesn't work. I honestly could have given a shit about this stipulation yeah literally don't care like no, i was like, like i get to see orange cassidy versus tommy knees cool 
Yeah, cool. Like yeah. again, like I said, it just it just conti- that that just puts sol- solidarity in the fact that you know, oh, Tony Nese isn't winning. Yeah, you just don't need a stipulation for everything, I guess. Yeah, no. You, and again, like I said, it's not a big deal. But then we got uh, the acclaimed teaming with the Gun Club to face uh, Bear Bronson, Leo Ruffin, Bear Boulder, and Fuego del Sol. And Fuego del uh, Sol was at home in Oklahoma. Or I think he was an Alabama visiting family. Got a call the day before and said, hey, we need we need a match for uh, Dynamite. We need you here in Rochester. And so he flew like literally all day to get in to work this match. That's crazy. But but um, the match opened up with Max Caster coming out to do a rap. And then immediately was in a, like the mic taken away from him. I believe it might have been Colton Gunn who took it away from him. It was Austin. Uh, it was Austin. Oh, it was Austin. I, Austin I, was I didn't want it to be Austin because he shares my name, but you know what? It was Your Austin. Your boy. Your boy. Yeah. Um, regardless of the fact, though, the match was itself, it was just fine, fine enough, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but what it led to was basically um, the mic drop was about to be uh, landed on uh, uh, Bear Bronson. And. Uh, Austin Gunn tagged himself in and proceeded to uh, steal the pin uh, after the mic drop was hit uh, when he tagged himself in. And he stole the pin, got the win for the team, but the acclaimed and the gun club were arguing. Eventually, though, they started beating the shit out of uh, the acclaimed. Billy Gunn gets in the ring like, the hell are you doing, you stupid pieces of shit? And... uh, Bowens uh, kind of walks up there, and then he just com- well, uh, Max walks up there, and then he just blindsides him, and then you've got uh, Anthony Bowens standing up, staggering to his feet, and he puts out scissors. He f- puts his fingers out in the scissors motion, and Billy teases, and then knocks him to the ground, and just bl- completely fucks him up. And the Gun cl- family reunited, and they turned on the acclaim. No, you've robbed me of scissor me daddy ass. You fucks. I mean, like, this, this breakup is worse than anything. This is worse than Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, this is the worst breakup in uh, AEW history. Uh, daddy ass scissoring those are great. I mean, he had the pink shoes on it was everything and, you know he he got it it was uh but you know blood's thicker than water blood's thicker than water i guess uh, so so disappointing broke my heart yeah i i mean like i well, if, if i would if i would have known this would have happened i would have i would have enjoyed those moments of scissor me daddy ass way more when i was in person at uh double or nothing and uh Detroit and all that kind of stuff. Uh, claimed have been leaning face for about three months now. Like, a little bit, yeah. And they had been getting face reactions for about six months. People would groan when Max would, you know, say some things. But for the most part, it was like 80% cheers. You know what I mean? So it's like the claim had been leaning this way for a while. I mean, their catchphrase is everybody loves the claim because they kind of do. It's like everybody kind of loves the claim. How do you, how do you hate Max Caster? How do you hate Anthony Bowens? Just you really can't. They're they're really lovable people. You can kind of dislike them and like oh that was a cheap shot, but for the most part you love them. 
It's a true statement. Every yeah, it's not like it, it's not like where it's like it's it's very much like I don't know. It's 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 it leans more on the fun side than it does like you know I'm trying to murder you with bars and shit like that. Yeah, and I remember when the North Carolina thing happened. Literally, most people came out on. You know, Max had to go away for a little while, but a lot of people came back on Max's side after that. They're like, I mean, that's what he does. He's supposed to say socking shit. That's, exactly. Like, I mean, that's what he. Everyone knows he doesn't mean. I'm glad. I'm glad that that people turned around on it. Yeah. Yeah, and it is just like it went like his popularity and the love for him went way up after he had to go away. What a lot of people thought was kind of unjustified. So, love me some Max Caster. Love. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, looking forward to this kind of uh feud right here because you know austin and colton really haven't been in a feud you know and yeah no not really claimed have been kind of middling too so it actually gives both of these teams something to do and i hope they get some time to show what they are because i think austin and colton are really good and i do think a lot of gets taken away from them because of who their dad is because they are actually good wrestlers yeah yeah yeah. and and, and, then max and max and bowens are just they just bleed charisma, and Anthony Bowens is a great wrestler, and you know it's they're really good too. It's just kind of gets lost on people because you know they are so charismatic. Right, exactly. We then moved on to uh, we had a backstage promo for Miro and uh, who's calling out Malachi Black. Oh my God, yes! Like Miro and Malachi Black, he, that's gonna be the shit. Um, and them in uh, the four way match for the. Uh, all Atlantic Championship showed me that yes, I do love it when these two fight each other. So give me singles action. I will very much appreciate that. Um, and then we had um, the best tag team name, Thunderstorm, of Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm facing off against Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir. Um, I will uh, say um, I enjoyed uh, heavily in this match uh, uh, Nyla Rose's input on it. I thought she did a really good job. She can sell too, like really, really well. Like I gotta say, like there was this uh, spinning DDT that she took that she sold like super well. Like I will, I will vouch for Nyla. Like any chance that you get, she is awesome. Um, and um, yeah, this was a solid women's tag match. I love the uh, pairing of Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. I thought they did a really good job. I think Marina Shafir is slowly getting better and better the more that she gets uh, out there. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. I thought this was a really good match. I thought that they went the wrong way on the win. I thought yeah. Nyla and Marina, even if it was heel tactics, whatever they did, they kind of needed a win. They've been looking scrubby lately. That's what I. That's what I was kind of. That's what I was kind mm-hmm. of like leaning towards was this, with this, where I was like, you know, like I said, you don't, you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be a clean finish every time. Like again, like one or two or th- like a, a, f- a couple, like like either non finishes or just like winning by shenanigans and stuff like that. Like I'm okay with that on free TV. Like it's not ideal, and I, it, like and if, yeah, you can, you, you if you can avoid. Would. If you can avoid it, like, on a consistent basis, we would prefer that. But, like, it's still free TV. This is the time where you can do stuff like that. Yeah, it's really not that, you know. Like, I completely understand, you know, you don't want to have a lot of... You don't want to have a lot of interference and do a lot of interference matches. But, like, literally, like, how's this a feud? Marina lost to Thunder. I think Maria lost to... uh, I think Marina lost to... um, 
good lord, why is her name? Uh, Thunderstorm, Tony Storm. And then I think like Nyla lost to. I'm like, how's this a feud? The bad guys have lost every match. It's not really a feud, right? I don't know. They could yeah, be. no, I don't think I it's mean, it's got to be a situation. Losing, the good guys losing in a tag match probably wouldn't hurt either one of them, and it it, it gives those heels a little more bite because it's like you have Nyla, you have her as a threat. She is the like she's the big woman in your division, power bombs, all that kind of stuff. But if she loses every match in on TV that matters. People are going to stop taking her seriously. Yeah, and like I said, that's why I'm vouching for her because she's still really good. And again, like you, uh, pr- protecting her can do you a lot of a lot of good because of like how she can consistently elongate feuds because of her convincing stature and how well she does I mean, yeah. uh, in the ring. Yeah, big person versus little person. That's a storyline you don't have to. That's a story you don't have to like. It's very obvious to the audience. You know, yeah, David versus Goliath. It's story as long as oldest time. So let Nyla, you know, be Nyla a little bit. And yeah, if she like if Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm had some kind of miscommunication and Nyla hits a power bomb and gets a three, it's not a really a big deal. Yeah, exactly. It's not an issue with me or if like there's just a referee distraction and you do something, you get the roll up or whatever. Like it still protects the baby face. That's why you do it. Like, again, it protects your baby faces while still giving uh, wins for your heels, who a good amount would would do well if they got something like that. So don't feel like you don't you have to have clean finishes on TV every single match, because every once in a while, again, once in a while on free TV, it is fine to do that. Like, don't don't feel like you have to because, you know, you're playing to the hardcore fans who scream about how they hate raw non-finishes or countouts and shit like that um that's it's okay occasionally but after that we had a backstage segment with uh jade cargill uh where they brought out uh layla gray who's going to be an interim badly basically uh to go up against so they can make uh her three on two against uh uh chris statlander and uh uh athena so yeah yeah, so there was that. Um, we are, uh, had a backstage interview with Dan- Daniel Garcia about his match at Death Before Dishonor. Dis- Dis- yeah, Dishonor uh, for Wheeler Yuta's pure title. It was fine. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler had a promo for their match for Death Before Dishonor. And which got a great was, Which was amazing. Cause oh, it was great, yeah. It, it, I mean, uh, you know, you want to be kings, you got to take down kings. And it was like basically... They got that first win, but to really establish the legacy, to really be great, they need to, you know, they need to get the second one. And I, I, I like that they built up. It was very good that they built up the importance of the match, that they built up the idea that they needed to win, you know, that kind of thing for their legacy. Like every match with FTR means something so much more because they do such a great job of building about their legacy into every promo yeah absolutely and then we went to the main event the interim AEW world championship match between brody king and john moxley um brody once again uh just shows how big of a motherfucker he is like just really bringing moxley down and slowing him down and just doing great work of just like 
using his size. I loved how like well he just moves. Like when he went for a cannonball, cannonball senton at one point, and Moxley got out of the way. Like it is the scariest thing in the world to see a guy like that move that quick and just flip back into there. Uh, Moxley proceeded to uh, get as as gritty as he could, like clawing his nails into uh, Brody King. Uh, Mox even got a, a superplex uh, onto Brody King at one point. Uh, eventually, though, uh, after beating him down a little bit, uh, and um, Brody King got a pile driver and was still not able to get the job done, Moxley then was able to dodge a splash from uh, Brody, paradigm shift, hammer and elbow, uh, hammer and anvil elbows, and then got a uh, chokehold. Uh, basically, then Brody uh, flattened Moxley, and uh, he proceeded to still hold on to the bulldog and uh, choke. And uh, the match was stopped uh, because Brody King could not continue. Moxley with a nice win to defend his interim AEW World Championship. And it was a good way to close out the show, honestly. These two did a really good job. Um, I thought this was my favorite match of the night. And yeah, I, I'm glad that Moxley's getting to do these big matches with fans in attendance as AEW World Champion. Interim, interim, interim. Yeah, yeah, you're the one that should especially remember that. That's your guy. No, but uh, this is exactly what you thought the match was going to be. Um, very physical. Um, very, I mean, I've seen better big man versus Mox matches, but I thought this was good. It was a great first defense. It established Brody King as a threat. I honestly think they could have let Brody King just do a little more, personally. Uh, but I did think this was really good. And, you know, when he does fight the bigger people, he usually beats them with the Bulldog Choke which I think fits right into Mox's personality as in he is the, his wrestling style is I will do anything to win. Yeah, absolutely. What it is. I have a finisher. Yes. And I like my finisher, but I'm going to do anything I can to keep you down. Every match yeah. is a fight. Yeah, no, I definitely do think that that works the best with Moxley where it's just like, he will do what he needs to do. And again, like I said, he works so well with that role. Cause again, like he's not trying to be like goody two shoes. He's going to be a blood curdling badass um, and just do what he needs to do to win a match or to just inflict violence, which he's, I mean, it's on brand for him. So I thought it was a good performance for him. And it was, like I said, a really good way to close out the show. Um, and then I will say too the the big the big thing I, of, that a lot of people were talking about too when it came to Rampage that took place was the fact that Eddie Kingston and Kanosuke Keshita did a fucking great match, and honestly, Kanosuke is slowly becoming one of my favorite AEW uh, wrestlers not named CM Punk. Like this dude, I love him. He is slowly becoming everybody's favorite wrestler not named CM Punk. I just the the amount of tension and the buzz that's built around him has been pretty remarkable and I have actually enjoyed it quite much. I think he's good. You everyone knows me. I, I hate repeating it. I watch wrestling from an emotional sense. So if I don't really have an emotional attachment towards you anyway, it's gonna take a while for me to get there. It's just switch doesn't kinda flip. Uh and proof proof in the pudding is Darby. 
You know, it took me a oh, long yeah. time to come around on Darby. And now I literally care if he wins or loses. I was actually upset with him losing to Kyle O'Reilly at Double or Nothing. Like, my wife saw me. I got vis- visibly upset that he lost to uh, Kyle <laughs> O'Reilly. And it was like, oh, because Darby's my guy. And, uh, yeah, so uh, so when I l- look at this, I'm like, I see the talent. I see everything there. I see the size. I see the athleticism. I see it. I'm just not there yet emotionally. I think it's just like, again, like I said, it's um, the the way that he's presented himself. And again, like I said, like in a world where there's so many like popular Japanese wrestlers uh, that people are uh, attached to. Um, and a guy like Konosuke is able to come on AEW television, not have like crazy amounts of buzz around him like from new japan or anything like that or have like say he did like oh he had a great feud with okada or tanahashi or naito or something like that and people were just like okay this is a japanese guy that apparently AEW is vouching for and they still got behind him as hard as they did that's the thing that's selling it with me at least because like i said he's getting matches with eddie kingston and like he's getting incredible reactions against a guy like eddie kingston who is over like rover like this dude is like getting great reactions when going up against a massive fan favorite like eddie kingston that to me like shows that there's something really special with you um he's not there for me yet i still love like guys like darby um and guys like uh keith lee and um stuff like that um but regardless, though, like I can see like, oh, there's something special. And I'm very happy that we're going to get him going up against Moxley for the interim championship uh, at Fighter Fest week one. So I'm very much, very much excited for that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see. And I think it's going to be a huge shining moment for him to really solidify like, OK, I got I got I got heat behind me. And I got like uh, I, I got I got a lot of like I'm, I'm, I'm hot now, like I need to capitalize on it. So. Uh, But him and Eddie had an outstanding match. That's the main thing I took away mostly from Rampage. Like, I enjoyed uh, OC and Tony Nese. And like I said, seeing Serena Deeb on TV again was nice as well. And they set up up a match for, you know, Death Before Dishonor. Exactly. Yeah, no, we got the the, the, uh, uh, featuring of uh, Jonathan Gresham uh, and the inclusion of... I'm glad I got to see Tully Blanchard back on AEW television. It's been a while since I've seen that. Um, and then uh, Gates of Anarchy had a great appearance, but man, like I like I said, I just seeing the 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 growth of Kenosuke has been a lot of fun, and I'm glad to see that they that that opened Rampage. I was very happy about that. You know, because they do have their best match opening Rampage. Uh, Jonathan Gresham going heel was kind of unexpected. Yeah. Uh, and they set up a match with him and Lee Moriarty this week for the world title on Rampage, which I'll do respect to Lee Moriarty, right? He does read more as a TV champion than the Ring of Honor world champion. Uh, no disrespect to him. I know. And no, and people say no disrespect before they say something really disrespectful. I wasn't meaning that in a disrespectful way, but no. you know, it's it's the honest opinion. I mean, he hasn't been built as a major challenger yet for it. So this makes me feel like they turned him heel because they do have a face in mind before death before dishonor. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, yeah, the obvious contender is going to be that. But I thought the match was – I like how they did it. 
Jonathan Gresham got attacked at first. Then he all of a sudden couldn't make the tag till that big moment where Lee Moriarty goes to make the tag and he just bounces. Oh and yeah. He, and then they beat then the tag team beats him up. I thought that was really good. Um Serena Deeb, after her and Mercedes Martinez win the tag team match, she then attacks Mercedes Martinez and then holds up the ROH women's title. So that looks like that's probably going to be the match before Death Before Dishonor. Serena D versus Mercedes Martinez. And then, of course, the main event, Orange Cassidy did his thing against Tony Nese. Tony Nese is a great wrestler, uh, is a really good wrestler. Actually, he's a great wrestler that can put on a really good matches and then lose. That's what he's there for. It's, yeah, it's no. Like, it's like, he's going to win his matches on Dark, but when he's on TV, he's going to lose. And that's what he did. And Orange Cassidy looked good. Tony Nese looked good. But Orange Cassidy wins. And that sets up for stuff going to next week. Yeah. But uh, regardless, though, I think that's all we have to say on Rampage from this week. But we can get into our preview for everything announced for Fighter Fest Night 1. Uh, we have a TNT Championship match between Wardlow and Orange Cassidy. Like, oh, my God. Like, what a first <laughs> Like what a first defense for Wardlow. Like, going up against a guy like Orange Cassidy. Who's hot, and he's got the two wins. And it's funny, <laughs> Orange Cassidy reply on tweet to this. He, he says, it's going down. I'm yelling timber. <laughs> he, I mean, nobody's better at being Orange Cassidy than Orange Cassidy. You can't, you can't, you can't match this man's level. No, I like it. it's like he has, uh, he he's just such on a different level of he understands his character on a way that no one will ever understand their character. Yeah, seriously. But um, we are also going to get, of course, the three way tag match for the AEW uh, World Tag Team Championships between the Young Bucks, Swerve in Our Glory, and Team Taz, Starks and Hobbs. Uh, the Claudio versus Hager match, We the People collapses at, before our very eyes. Uh, Anna Jay and Serena Deeb are going one-on-one. We're hearing from Chris Jericho. We'll also hear from Christian Cage. Thank God. Uh, Evil Luchasaurus is going to be in action. And then, of course, another interim uh, world championship match, which is actually labeled as an eliminator match, uh, John Moxley versus Kenosuke Takeshita. That is... That is, this is a hell of a lineup. I mean, oh yeah, this is Fighter Fest Week One, and it looks like a pay per view. You know what I mean? It's like it has like many pay per view feels. I wouldn't call it a dynamite or a full on pay per view, but it's like a dynamite in a half. If right, right, right. Yeah, it's like it's loaded. You get the world champion, you get the TNT champion, and you get the tag belts. Like literally, every belt is on the line except. The, oh, I guess we got a whole nother singles belt now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so no, uh, we're looking forward to all of this, and they got to get it all. Uh, we got to get it all in. And I think the expected great match is the triple threat tag, right? I and think so, yeah, because it's, it's a Young Bucks triple tag. I think Hager and Cascioli could steal the night. Why? Because you've seen... You've seen Swagger versus Cesaro, but you're about to see them in AEW where they get to create and let themselves go. I would be really disappointed if it looks a lot like their WWE style. Oh, yeah. It's like, I think, you know, the reins are off. You're allowed to create. You don't have to paint by numbers anymore. You got this blank canvas. 
you have this new boss, show us a beautiful picture. And, and like a physical violent picture. You know what I mean? Like y'all are two big old jack dudes. Yeah. No, yeah, please go out there and bump some meat, as uh, Big E would say. Please, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like really lay into each other. Like I think it'll it'll produce a really good match in that regard. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much all we have because, like we said, we talked about uh, the location and sale date. So it's looking like um, all out this year will be at Hoffman Estates. It will be at uh, the Now Arena. So that's oh, yeah. really. Yeah, and TK did mention this week, I just wanted to throw this out there, if they do a Forbidden Door, if it's called Forbidden Door, it will always be stateside. Yeah. So if they do a show, they could, they could they're going to, they can do a AEW New Japan show in New Japan, but it, it's going to be called something else. It might just be one of their regular pay-per-views. They might be yeah. special, but if they're doing a Forbidden Door, it will happen in America. Yeah, and I think, though, it's like, if New Japan was to do an AEW New Japan show in Japan, I think they would call it something different. Yes. I mean, and they can call it what they want, and they are going to make, you know, book it and make all the money, and I want Japan to get one. It was just like, even in my head, as someone that's like, kind of wants to go to as much as he can, I was like, man, I would have to, you know, if they do a Forbidden Door in Japan, unless I have like a lot of notice, I won't be able to go. You know, right, exactly. But now that I know Forbidden Door is only going to be in America, it goes on the schedule. Yep, you know <laughs> what? So keep an eye out for that, I guess. Yeah. All right, well, I think that will do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Guys, thank you so, so much for sticking with us and in listening every single week. Please make sure you guys continue to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review, and if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through Red Circle. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex, so the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the shows they have on their network i'm at austin somewhat's s-z-u-m-o-w-i-c-z floyd is at floyd johnson jr on twitter and with all of that out of the way and all that said i will go ahead and pass off to floyd who will take us home on this episode of all things elite it's going down i'm yelling timber no uh (laughs) no uh we got exciting we got an exciting couple of uh, AEW shows next two weeks for fighter fest uh, from Savannah, Georgia. Make sure you check out BTE this week. My boy R- Rosario Grillo from TSF. He got bought the uh, F, uh, the Young Bucks bought him a pair of shoes, so you can see that go down, which is pretty cool. Pretty generous of the guys. I've always heard they're good dudes, so that's cool. But I will say this: be nice to people. Uh, honestly, it's like I haven't seen. Like anything other than the regular normal nasty stuff on Twitter, I'm, it's I, I'm afraid I'm becoming numb to it, and I don't want that to be happening because mean people are still mean, and you gotta acknowledge that kind of shit. But yeah, I kind of just kind of scroll past the stupid shit and move on to what I care about. But be nice to people, tweet them nice, tell them, tell your people, give them the flowers while they're there. If you appreciate them, you love them, tell them now. Uh, I always see Adam Pierce; he tweets out every day, uh, love someone today. I will leave you with that. Love someone today, love someone this week, and let the people know that you love them. Because, you know, I don't even go into negative. Just let people know you love them. It makes them feel good. I've never heard somebody say, this person told me 
all this awesome stuff about me and it affected my day not a bit no just tell people nice shit be nice all right and i'll leave you with the way i always leave you whether it's home work or school always do your best to be elite credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.